Welcome back, everyone. Um, unfortunately, for this one, you'll have to see my face because we're going to put a video of this one out. <laughs> uh, most times, there's never a video version uh, of it. Um, so I'm joined by Plot Marco, who has got a very extensive resume, should I say. <laughs> uh, before we, we dive into that, Plot, how are you? No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thanks a lot. It's an honor to be on this platform. Oh, thank you for coming. Um, so yeah, extensive resume. Uh, let's begin. Let's begin. You are a artist, uh, arts journal- journalist. You also, uh, a dance promoter. Um, yeah. I think you, you founded the Jibilika Dance Trust. That was in 2007, right? Yes, I, I founded in 2007. In 2007. So I was, I was on the internet as I usually am and I was looking through. So, um, is it the Jibilika Dance, the uh, Dance Trust that was inspired by You Got Served? Or it was another dance yes, festival. Yes, you got it right. It was you got served that got me to start uh Chibilika and then everything else came afterwards. Ah, interesting. So that then led to you founding uh uh Quenda, uh productions. Yes. And then you also founded Zim Hip Hop Summit and another a whole like I said, the, the resume is quite extensive. <laughs> and he's got a YouTube channel called Air Ground. Um and yeah, you you're you're in Germany right now. Yes, I'm in Germany. I've been here for Five years now. Okay. Yeah. And how's how, how's it in Germany, in Deutschland? Uh Germany is is okay. It's good. Just the way that that makes me feel uh, a lot of uh, homesickness. But uh, otherwise, everything is good. Yeah. I see. I see. Oh yeah, be being away from home and different temperatures when you're used to a certain way of life is is difficult to adapt to. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, well, why we're here? Why God plots? Why he you know graciously decided to come on was. Zimbabwean artists and how they distribute music online now. So like back in the day, I'm sure you know you know this better than I do. Um, you had to go through a record company, then a record company, you know, had a representative for you and that you're your A&R guy. And then you then, you know, have to produce an album which has to meet a certain standard. And after that, they go through distribution channels and you get paid uh, the advance and the small percentage of it, of, of the sales. Most of it is kept by the recording company. If you weren't... Um, Let's say if you didn't own your masters or the original copies of your of your music, you couldn't profit off of that uh, in the future, as we have seen now uh, in these days. But would you agree that um, the internet age has kind of liberalized uh, music production and content creation in general? Yes, I think internet has has done a complete revolution in terms of uh, content production, uh, distribution, and marketing. And artists are more empowered than they were just 20 years ago because back then you remember, for example, in the context of Zimbabwe, we had mm. uh, very few recording studios. So you either recording with uh, Grammar Studios, uh, which also owned, you know, the other smaller recording uh, labels, you know, Ngawongwe, ZMC, uh, and, 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 and there was not so much of competition then mm. until I think such a time that Prince and I opened uh, High density studios, and then fast forward with Delani Makalima uh, and 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 Shamiso Gilbert Mario starting uh, Shamiso Entertainment, and then Galaxy afterwards Shamembe Evan Groups. So a lot of it can attribute it to internet uh, and the digital age that technology has transformed the ability for people to actually produce and make their own music. So you can actually produce uh, and record yourself. And, and, and distribute yourself. So, uh, from having 
a mega institution managing all of these and taking uh, the bigger percentage or fraction of your music. Uh, now you've been artists who's able to actually put their music online and distribute it not only to uh, a limited demographic, but now on a global stage, you can put your music and it can reach uh, Japan, China, the US, anywhere that you can think of, because now internet is allowing us to do so. Um, the, the system back in the day, uh, it had its own pros, but also uh, the cons, and the same as the system that uh, applies today. Can you give me some of the, the, the pros and cons of the old system in comparison to the, to the new one? Uh, if you look at the old system, uh, there was so much attention towards A and R, mm. you know. Uh, so the quality of the content that we had back then, uh, if you listen to the music, even up to now, music that was produced 50 years ago, some of it still sounds great because there was so much attention to detail, to musicality, to instrumentation, to compositions. Uh, the music was made to last. Mm. And an artist would not just become an artist because they have access to the tools. They had to have the talent and the passion and the drive to actually make it. Um, uh, and, 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 and the music would, would, would make far impact than now. Now, on every second, there's thousands of music, if not millions, that is being released. A lot of it uh, is, whether good or bad, you'd find it's buried online. Mm. Uh, it would take another effort for you to actually get your music uh, be heard. Um, and then on the negative side, you'd find it was difficult for an artist to, to, to actually become a musician. And if you became a musician, society also had its own way of looking at artists. Uh, but the, 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 the red tape that was created uh, discouraged so many people from pursuing their music. Uh, and it, it, it gave power to very few people, power to distribute, power to own the means of production when it came to music. So you'd find it was very few institutions that owned the entire catalog for Zimbabwe. Like right now, Grammar Records owned uh, the biggest catalog we can ever think of. And they also influenced what went on radio. So they had a direct connection to uh, what was getting played on radio. And that monopoly somehow affected uh, uh, how artists worked and how artists also end. Artists didn't have a voice. But right now, if an artist is not happy with the distributor, they can switch to another. If they're mm-hmm. not happy with um, any other production company or studio, they can easily move on and even do it on their own. So, uh, yes, the power is going towards mega institutions that are also running tech uh, platforms that are distributing music, but there's more liberalization right now. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, Ella, you said, um, you know, the music was made to last uh, back in the days where, you know, uh, my, 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 my my mind takes me back to uh, Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson, um, yeah. you know, in their process where everything was so meticulously, you know, kind of fed out and, and stuff like that. On that point, do you think quality has dropped in the Zimbabwean context in terms of music? Um, because there was like, we don't always catch up to things as fast as we should. And as I'm sure you're aware that this internet age came very late for us for in, yeah, in, in, sure. in the Northern hemisphere and, and quote unquote developed countries, they started this shift in the early two thousands. Whereas 
maybe even earlier, whereas Zimbabwe, probably mid-2000s, you know, early early 2010s. So uh, my question is a two-part one, basically, is is do you think there's been a drop in quality because we're getting more quantity? Uh, and secondly, what was that transition like uh, in the local um, music scene from, you know, the traditional uh, distribution channels and content or music creation channels to now the more internet-based stuff? I think quality, there's now more quantity. Mm. Um, there is some quality improvement uh, for those that are really putting in their craft. I mean, if you listen to some of the productions coming out, being made by youngsters uh, who are self-taught, you see there's so much um, effort in terms of improving their quality. But because now this is an open market and because of the environment is where there are no jobs, um, anyone who things that they can sing, they can easily make music. Uh, it also costs almost nothing mm. to produce music. There are people that have made hits where they never paid a single cent. You know, they've on, gone on to, to, to make money afterwards. So, um, yes, I, I must say that the quality now is also uh, uh, been affected because it's now sort of a one-man thing. One man can do everything. They can be uh, the producer, uh, do the mixing and mastering, and the engineer, and they can be the distributor, they can be the manager, they can be the artist. So it's, it can be one person doing everything. And I think it's not really possible to have all these skills and pay attention to all the details as one person. You need a team. You need people that are skilled in different uh, facets to be able to contribute towards your music. If you look at uh, one song produced by Boy, uh mm-hmm. or by Quincy Jones back then, right? You see how many people are involved in producing that track, right? Even by Oliver Tukuzi, one song would have like 10, 8 people. Uh, but nowadays you can actually find one song written by the same person, produced by the same person, sang by the same person, distributed by the same person, managed by the same person, uh, they're on the record label, and they're literally everything. Mm. And that somehow gives a bit of a challenge to the quality that comes out. There's always a part where you miss it. In terms of the, of the transition from us going from the traditional, you know, brick and mortar style recording, com- uh, recording companies to... Uh, to now, you know, doing it on the internet or doing it on Fruity Loops. Because Fruity Loops, I remember when I was in high school, everybody wanted to be a musician because if your computer could run it, which most computers could, you could pretty create a beat and then, you know, grab a mic, get into what, what, what we, Audacity, record. Yes, Audacity. There was no mixing and mastering. It was just <laughs> straight to convert to MP3 <laughs> and we're done. True, true. So in, in your observation, like what was the transition like from, you know, from the traditional quote-unquote way to what we are seeing now? Mm-hmm. So, I, I would say, uh, sorry. No worries. Uh, okay. My son just, Shaban, how about you? But you know I want to kiss him. Yeah, thank you. Good Sorry. No worries, but. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, I then got distracted when you were asking the question. I'll ask it again. Um, so what have you seen in the, in the changes, uh, in, in the transitions in Bob when artists went through? Uh, so that's going from, you know, the, the recording companies like Grammar that you mentioned all the way up now to, 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 um, to internet, you know, Fruity Loops and Audacity and whatnot. Um, what was that transition like on the ground, uh, for artists, uh, in your observation? 
I think the transition was uh, not so smooth. It was quite abrupt. It happened uh, almost like overnight. Mm. And you remember we had a period where we were recording uh, studios and then we would record bars. So people could actually go and buy music. People were buying records, right? And then there was a time when uh, the new studios come, started coming through. You started uh, seeing uh, fearless uh Intersound studios coming through, uh, high density studios, uh, and, 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 and Ingo studios in Blauai. And then the distribution network that was there got also disrupted. Uh, there was an advent of flea markets. So instead of your record bars and then people are now distributing through flea markets with flea markets where you could just get in and buy music. Uh, but also then that created, uh, an opportunity for piracy. Because with the recording bars, uh, it was a bit difficult to create piracy because everything was done almost like professional-wise. So the money was just lost in between the recording bars and the record bars and then the record labels. This is where artists would possibly say, ah, look, we didn't get so much money. But now piracy started coming through because duplication was now an easy thing. The technology was bringing these cheap duplicators uh, from around the world and CDs were coming through and people could now make CDs, people were able to access CDs and then uh, later on with MP3s, Bluetooth and infrared allowing people to send and receive music as easy as, as you could think of. So the older generation of artists, they lost uh, the, 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 the plot when things were changing. Uh, most of them could not adjust to technology because they were used to everything being done by other people. They didn't even know how to do these things. They never had the information. And those that were running the machinery did not give out this information. This was their capital, mm. you know. So very few people like uh, Tuku managed to uh, migrate to the new forms and have a management that was able to do these things for him and still connect to the international scene where they could tour, they could also distribute their music. But with a lot of the artists, they lost the money. Uh, Zimura took long to also adjust and, 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 and be able to track the music and be able to also get the artists to uh, affiliate with them and collect for them. So um, the effects, I think, they were on a number of levels in terms of the production you know, because remember, a lot of the artists didn't pay for recording. Mm. So you would go there, you'd audition and get yourself uh, accepted, and then you get a recording deal. And when you get a recording deal, they would tell you, okay, we're going to either give you an advance or you record here for such and such a period, and they own everything, they own the masters. Now, here's a period where uh, technology is changing. Traditional recording studios are still doing things in the old way. Mm. But the world is moving so fast. And these artists are not let off these change, changes. So the generation that was now coming through with information coming from the diaspora managed to penetrate this space and create alternative recording studios. And the sound was also changing, you know. Mm. So a, a lot of artists lost it during that period. And then now fast forward after the Urban Groups era, uh, recording studios started opening up big door 
young people learning how to produce music on their own. So that also gave a challenge to the other producers that it managed to create platforms. Then high density studios and other studios could not survive uh, the youngsters who had laptops, who had P4s and uh, P3s in their bedrooms who could actually produce music. If you look at what uh, TBA, what Chikuturo, what Tech5, what these producers were doing, they were actually working from their bedrooms but producing hits. And there were radio stations were also coming through new radio stations. So I think the trend, the, the trends, the consumption of music, the kind of music that was being consumed, everything changed. And for the artists, we used to listen to the American artists, to the South African artists. Now we're the Zimbabwean versions of artists that were singing almost like them. Mm. And then we started seeing new stuff. So it opened doors. It opened a floodgate for young people to get into the creative industries, new video producers that are coming through. Uh, so I think it it had the good and also it had uh, the bad for especially those that were not alert to the changes that were taking place. I see. And I think even for that transition, because this is just me, like just, you know, something that popped into my head is that the technological gap was still there because most of this kit to do it even on a basic level with a laptop, um, it was difficult. If you didn't have someone who had already downloaded Fruity Loop, that's even if you had the the, the laptop <laughs> itself, you know what I mean? Uh, sure. Things got easier with smartphones, but you, how, how was that like for people who, you know, obviously there were these collectives where you could ask a friend to do X, Y, and Z, um, mm-hmm. but there must have been a gap in the middle there where, you know, it wasn't as easily accessible as it is now in, in you know, in retrospect uh, for, for, for artists coming up. There, there was a gap and you'd find the gap still gave leverage to those that uh, had a bit of monopoly in terms of just the uh, production of music. Mm. So um, you'd take your music, say, to radio and you've produced it and you're told, look, this quality doesn't need radio so you could not get it airplay. So you had no choice but to still go back to some of those people that uh, were still uh, being able to, 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 to do and provide the service that those that were creating platforms were not able to, you know. So I think it, it, it was a hard, uh, difficult pill to swallow, but young people found their way. It was almost like a river that would just find its own way to, to flow. Um, the Fortune and Parutas, you know, they, they were building these platforms for, for, for young people, but the cost was very high. Mm. I, it, at one point, it was almost impossible for a young person to be able to get into a studio and record. But because um, there were also producers that would see a potential in a group of artists and they would say, look, we're signing you up. If you look at the majority of the artists that we had early 2000s, mid 2000s, they were actually signed to recording studios. You had the Chanembes, you had Chiguteros, uh, and, 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 and all of those artists, all of those tables, they had artists that were under them. Unlike now, artists are more independent. If you see an artist signed, they're actually signed to their own record label, or they're not signed anyway. They just have their own manager distribution. That is it. But then you had to be part and parcel of a grouping. And if your music was going to radio, which was the main source of uh, consumption, 
you know, you had to also go through uh, a record label, you know, the record labels and relationship with radio DJs and it was working like that. So, yeah. So that breakdown of the monopoly was great for, 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 uh, for the liberalization of music. Cause now people, I have, I can imagine, I don't know for certain, but I can imagine radio DJs is actually chasing up artists now to be like, ah, oh, when you're dropping something new, instead of it being the reverse where, you know, the record label would have, you know, an in with it and also kind of removes the politics maybe of, yeah. you know, of, of, of a music scene where, it's moving towards merit and hype. So if you've got the merit and you're doing good work, then they're not going to ignore you. But, you know, there's no one standing in your way when it comes to, you know, someone saying we're not going to give you stuff airplay for, for whatever reason, unless it's just content that they don't want to, you know, promote. And now, I mean, you've seen how um, technology has also taken the power from radio. Mm. So radio used to be like calling the shots. You had to be on radio for you to make it. But mm. if you check... Uh, in the context of Zimbabwe, in the past seven years, there is no single record, I'm yet to be proven, a single record that uh, radio can say uh, for the past seven or eight years, we broke this song on radio. Mm. The music is breaking on the streets. Mm. The streets are now, it's internet and the streets. So it's the club DJs, the, 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 the people on the streets that are pushing music and internet. This is where music is, is really finding its way. And when it breaks on the internet, and then the radio DJs are now chasing after that content. Mm. You know, um, I, I remember DJ Fantan and Levels in their one interview in 2018, they were saying, look, we don't even know how our music finds its own its way to radio. We've never submitted uh, any single track to radio. We don't even mm. know the process. But by then, they'd actually... Uh, so many songs on radio, like number one, number two, number three, you'd find they're coming from two spot. So that, that, that gives you an idea of how even the radio system started to realize the power of internet, the power of the digital platforms in terms of distributing music and disrupting the monopoly that radio had. And at one point with Power FM as the main urban station and other stations were playing, uh, other music, uh, genres. But now you, you, Today we have, you know, uh, 17, 18 radio stations in Zimbabwe, right? And a lot of them have to rely on internet. They have to go on internet to see who's popping, who's making great music. They have to rely on what's already, uh, popping like on the streets for them to, 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 to even follow the conversation, to follow the music and be able to, uh, playlist. So internet is really, disrupted like 100% the system production, distribution, consumption, and monetization. Yeah. And also WhatsApp. WhatsApp is a, is a big player in that because uh, we WhatsApp forget. Yeah, we forget that in Zimbabwe, WhatsApp is actually the biggest <laughs> streaming service because it, it, like um, a couple of days ago, I wrote an article about Ja Praise's album, um, yes. when it came out to the whole gateway streams fiasco. Uh, that some people weren't able to log in, they were over capacity, then they put a release obviously on their Facebook page saying, you know, sorry, we're working on it. And in the comments, people are like, WhatsApp data. WhatsApp. Um, you know, it's WhatsApp is, 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 is massive. And I w- actually wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of these radio DJs source, you know, what's going on, um, 
you know, in, in terms of breaking music on, 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 on WhatsApp. And for someone as big in Zimbabwe as Jab Razor, to kind of skip over the radio stations and go to a streaming service and be like, yeah, I'm going to do an exclusive launch with Gateway Streams, like Gateway Stream Music. Uh, I'm going to skip over everything else. It just speaks, it, it speaks volumes to like, you know, where it is right now. It, it, it speaks volumes because it tells you so many things. It tells you that there's no money on radio. Uh, and when the money comes, the money is worth nothing. Hmm. So the artists, when they put their music on radio, uh, they may not even get anything in return, except just from hype. Uh, and also, it, it, it talks about the dynamics in terms of music distribution. Now, where's the power? It's the internet. Hmm. So as, as fairly new as Gateway Stream is, Japraza put his faith on the platform as compared to radio, which has more years and possibly uh, more listeners in Zimbabwe, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, in the past, I mean, everybody would just go on radio, they're on radio, they drop their first song, second song. But when Gateway Stream didn't really give him the results that he wanted, he went on YouTube, he went on Spotify, on iTunes, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it tells you the chain. So, mm-hmm. apparently, you will be surprised that a lot of the radio DJs actually found the Japanese album on YouTube. Mm. You know, I've seen, I've watched some radio, uh, some DJs on radio live, they're playing music, taking links from YouTube, playing a song from YouTube. Uh, so it means that they don't have the copy, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah true that, man. And also, like, uh, my, uh, the media editor, Texan Edwin, and I had a podcast last week, I think, where we all knew this, like we all knew it. Like when he mentioned it to me, it was something that was so obvious. I had known it. And I was like, with the number of ex-Jab cars in Zimbabwe yeah. and the frequency not exceeding, was it 96.7 megahertz? Sure, sure. You're limited to just two radio stations. Like, yeah, if- yeah. one radio gets, gets more monopoly. And I was actually reading the ZAMS uh, statistics and looking at the uh, coverage of uh, the recent ZAMS uh, report. You know, if you look at the coverage of radio stations, I think there is one main radio station that is the biggest reach, which is Radio Zimbabwe. Mm. And Radio Zimbabwe commands 51% of the listenership, you know. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that is such a big fraction when you look at the other radio stations uh, sharing, you know, 5%, 10%, 7%, you know, uh, and, and being predominantly urban. So in mm. terms of that reach is very limited. But now what's up? Which is the biggest music distributor, biggest communicator before the news hits anywhere it, it gets on WhatsApp. Uh, you'd find someone in Uzumba Marambafungu is getting the music, is getting the album on WhatsApp before anything else, you know, which is quite tricky because then you're not able to get the statistics, you're not able to even see the impact in terms of reach. Uh, there's difficulty in data collection and monetization because your music is on WhatsApp. People just simply replicate and share. And the quality is lost with the number of shares that are made on WhatsApp. So I think it poses a lot of challenges, especially for young artists that are trying to distribute their music and get it out there. True that, true that. And also on, on the whole getting paid thing, because um, I remember the um, what you mentioned earlier, the people who just you know give CDs in flea markets and then you know sell them through the guys who had stalls at stores. Uh, the ones that I frequent, and again, this will reveal my saladness. Uh, you know, Borodeo flea, uh, flea market on a Sunday, Avondale flea market, 
the one at the golf in town. You could, you know, someone had to have a stall and then some music through there. But it never stopped piracy. Like piracy, even in the digital age, never really, never really seemed to go away. It, 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 it never stops. I think what makes the situation worse is like how many people have disposable income to buy mm. music in Zimbabwe. Uh, and we have a culture of buying music. You know, we used to have that culture because the economy was more stable. People had more, dis- had more disposable for income. Uh, but now you'd find the income has gone low. Uh, people are chasing bread and butter issues. So should I buy a record for $10 when I can get it for free? No. Mm. Uh, but you'd find like in developed economies, people just have respect over content. People want to have original content. They want to support the artists. They believe in the art. The artists also put uh, value and respect towards their craft. So it's, it's easy for somebody to say, look, I'm a fan and I'm putting my $20 a year towards this artist, you know, and if you look at the numbers, then the artist ultimately ends up living out of it. It's, it's, it's taken serious. So, um, the artists are the biggest losers in the entire process now because there is not so much money that is going towards them. You no. know, uh, if, 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 if all those that are getting the song on WhatsApp are saying, look, we're paying one US dollar, one, uh, 50 cents towards the song that we have, possibly the artist could end, but there's nothing that compels the artist to to, to, to the, the, the audience to actually uh, buy the music. And also because the artists are not valuing their music. Mm. They have not come together to say, look, how do we best distribute music? How do we best uh, support platforms that are distributing music and also uh, end from it? So that if our music is going out this way, we, we get something out of it, yeah. a bit of money. But the old system was you get your music out, you get known, you get popular, you get a hit, and what you gain in return, you get booked for shows. But now with COVID, yeah. starting people to get artists to, to talk and think because now there are no shows, very few corporate endorsements, very few online shows. And even the numbers online are falling uh, for people watching these live shows. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really a bit of a difficult situation now because artists have to think twice and say, what do I do? How do I continue to even pay for my bills to continue making content and not end? It's not mm-hmm. balancing up. You know, COVID is not going away anytime soon from the look of things. We may be under this situation for much more longer than we think, more months, even a year. So what does that mean for an average artist who has to rely on uh, shows to make a living? It must be, must be excruciatingly difficult. Um, and actually going on to the point of getting paid. So I'm sure most of you are aware, but if you're not, Plot broke the Nash TV story um, with the contract leak. Um, and that kind of shed a light as to where Zimbabwe is in terms of remunerating its art- artists. Now, Nash TV is a massive hub. Colors Vibes is a thing. Like, if you go on their page, it's got millions of views. Um, is it retrospectively in Zimbabwe ad revenue on, on YouTube doesn't really work the same way as it does, like in America. Uh, because if you go to Social Blade, I think you can just see, which, you know, it's, <laughs> the, the numbers don't kind of make sense. And it's, it, it's, it's for a number of reasons. And some, uh, probably defer to you, but the ones I know are 
advertisers, the whole uh, adpocalypse that happened in 2016, 2017, when ad, when, uh, when advertisers on YouTube started pulling the ads and certain content were, were being more selective. So that kind of marginalized certain types of content and in, in, to some respect, certain types of countries or certain countries, I should say. So what have you noticed on, 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 or in reference to the national and maybe some background on it? And then I'll just ask my follow up on after that. Okay, great. A bit of background to that. I mean, that, that nice story was quite an interesting uh, story because it brought out so many things. Mm-hmm. So just a bit of uh, background to it. I had heard about this because of my journalism work. I was researching, trying to understand what are the terms, how are the artists working, because all the content was uh, monetized but put on Nash TV. So I was wondering, okay, what's the arrangement sort of like because almost every artist is playing there. Um, and then the artists apparently that were getting their content, they didn't have the contracts. And this got me interested to say, but how come if you're signing a contract, how come you don't have a copy? Like, oh no, we sign, we leave the contracts there. We don't even carry them on. And for me, that gave me an idea to say, there must be something about that contract. So I made a force to get the contract, which I ultimately get got uh, and it was tricky to even get the contract because um, the person had to risk because you get this contract and then you sign it quickly and then in in the presence of other officials and you don't get a chance to even take a photo or whatever. So when you got the contract, it took two months for me to bring it out in the public domain. I had to verify, I had to find out if this was genuinely a contract that it come from Nash TV and if that contract was universal because it could have been a contract for this specific artist, you know, and, and, and I had to verify and see how legit and how credible it was. And also the legal implications if I brought this issue out because this was a contract signed between two parties and bring it out, it also had legal uh, connotations to it. So um, then the story came out, uh, it made headlines, people were talking about it. It got a very interesting conversation because then artists started talking about it and also Nash TV uh, consented and then agreed and uh, advised that they were making changes to the contract which they already started making and made with some that they managed uh, to, 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 to bring on their platform. And those that were signed before now getting their royalties and also getting a different contract. So it was sort of a big win, not only for that particular artist, but for the entire industry, because artists then became a lead of uh, what it means if their contract content is being distributed and what money is there. And to the second part of your question, there's not so much money on YouTube. Uh, it depends on so many things, where your account is registered, uh, the number of adverts that are running there. And if you look at uh, an individual song, it's only three minutes, and at most it is an advert at the beginning, at the, um, at the end, and times uh, pop-up adverts that can appear if it's video. And because there are not so many people advertising in Zimbabwe, the content doesn't really attract so much in terms of revenue. So you find that the same views uh, for Zimbabwean artists who have different money as compared to the views that an artist in South Africa is making. But still, there is money on YouTube. Uh, not much, but artists can actually make money, but it cannot be the sole source of income. Uh, the, 
the, the, the biggest challenge is that artists are still not able to just create their YouTube channels and monetize on their own because they need the Visa card, they need the MasterCard uh, to, 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 to do that. And when uh, AdSense sends you that uh, activation code, you know the situation of the postal system in Zimbabwe. There are times letters that are coming from abroad, they don't reach you or they take forever to get to you. So for you to be able to activate your own account, it takes forever. So there's so many stumbling blocks and people are using mobile money. Mobile money is not activated for uh, for YouTube. And then the only option most artists have had is to go through aggregators, you know, uh, and distributors that are at most not based in Zimbabwe. So you, your most popular artists are not being distributed by Zimbabwe companies. But there is a middleman who takes a percentage from the little income that the artist is making. Yeah. And at most, they are not based in Zimbabwe. They're based in Nigeria. They're based in UK or based in South Africa uh, or in Australia or in Canada or in, or in UK. Yeah. Uh, so artists still continue to lose. And it's, it's, some will not be able to monetize because at first they don't have the threshold that YouTube requires for them to to, to start paying. So then they end up putting their content on one channel uh, for a distributor or a production level that has managed to monetize already. And, and, and there's so much money being lost. So the losses that were being made in the past by artists signed to big recording levels, now we still see artists also making the same losses uh, because of the challenge that they're experiencing on YouTube or on Spotify or on these or on other platforms. Um, but we see now new platforms like Gateway Stream. Uh, there was also uh, another platform or two or three other platform, uh, platforms that were created a few years ago. Most of them collapsed that were distributing music using local payment systems, but still the confidence was not there. Yeah, true. Might, might you actually know, because that's interesting to know that local artists are you know, they are dealing with middlemen in other countries. But, you know, some of the companies that are dealing, you know, with local artists, uh, not to name the artists specifically, but just the, the companies in general. But if you can't name the artists, like, I'm not going to tell you not to. <laughs> um, I, I think the biggest distributors right now in Zim, uh, it's Django, uh, which is working with Kosha. Uh, Kosha is the Zim entity, but Django is a Nigerian entity uh, that is also has presence in the UK. And then you have uh, Jakaranda, uh, which is Zimbabweans and also uh, some other partners. I, I'm, I'm, I think that are not, that are non-Zimbabweans, that are you British. And this company is based in the UK. Uh, and then you also have uh, platforms like Man's Music. And then you have um, now Apricori is coming in as one of the bigger distributor uh, based in South Africa, distributing also in Nigeria and, and elsewhere, and having the catalog for some of the big artists, including Master KG and so forth. Uh, and now with uh, a new platform coming on board called DistroHive, uh, which is also distributing for artists. So there are so many uh, platforms that are there that are distributing for artists, uh, but most of them, they're not based in Zimbabwe or they are in Zimbabwe prison, but um, not 100% Zimbabwe. See, interesting. So 
the whole Nash TV thing brought up something interesting. It's like, uh, I'm sure you've seen that, uh, net one. saw the Nash TV model and was like, Hey, let's do one TV. Um, you know, then they got Holy Ten and a, 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 a number of heavy hitters to come on to their one, uh, it's called One World Album or One Album. I'm not oh, sure what the name album. is. Yeah. And I'm like, is this the trend that we're going into where even in the internet age, we're going to kind of need these sort of platforms for artists to catch on? Because the biggest problem I think is, um, like you said, the, the monetization threshold. I think you need a, a 10,000 views or a thousand views before YouTube then activates you for monetization. Uh, and even then you still get a pittance, like you're saying, in comparison to what you'd be getting or what other creators in other, in other countries would be getting. So do you think it's fair that on the content creator or the artist side of things that these companies are now sort of, even if Nash TV recanted and, you know, kind of settled things down, that they're leveraging their platform to be like, okay, I should preface this by saying it's business for the, for Nash TV and, and, and One World. So it, for, uh, Net One. So that's fine. But, for artists, you kind of be, you you'll be clamoring for those platforms in the same way you did for record companies, especially in Zimbabwe. So, is it, have we have we returned to the old in a way, or we're almost slowly returning to the old, where um, now it's not just these platforms being set up, but we also seeing the companies that were putting money towards artists and other agencies now wanting to be content creators. Mm. So. Uh, they are they they are not just sponsoring or assisting uh, assisting artists, but the companies are now thinking of content creation as an avenue. Mm. So they 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 have the muscle in terms of the capacity, money, the technology, and stuff uh, to 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 do this. But they are they 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 are also becoming players, you know. So. I think it's, it's good for multiple platforms for artists to have, you know, different options where they could say, look, you know, I can actually be on, uh, Nash TV, uh, do Hello Mari. It reaches so much and I can make a hit. And, uh, just signal says, I never paid a single cent to record that to Chewsport. Chewsport says, I look, we paid him $3 for him to catch a ride to come to the studio to record it. It became a hit. Nash TV paid him uh, three thousand uh, when he should be three thousand when he won the, the 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 challenge, you know. And afterwards, now he has got an endorsement with Bank ABC. Now he has got this and that. So it, it takes an artist who's smart to read the direction and be able to ride on some of these things. Uh, they can never be a hundred percent liberal system because. Even when you put your content on Spotify, who owns Spotify? What other platforms do they own? How much do they pay you? Is it the amount that they're also getting from uh, advertisers? Do you sit down with them and discuss with them to say, look, you know what? I, 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 I want 10%. You say, I want not 5%. No. They just dictate. They just have something cut on stone and they determine it. Except for bigger, bigger artists that can afford to say, look, I'm Jay-Z, I'm not going to distribute on this platform, I'm going also. But it's, it's quite difficult also even for them because these institutions have invested a lot of money, a lot of infrastructure to distribute across the world. And they, 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 their systems are more reliable. You put your music there, you know, you don't even worry whether it uploads or not. You don't worry, you don't worry about speed. It's there. You get value for money, right? So 
Uh, now we see Net1 uh, coming through, creating that platform. I think it's an awakening that, oh, look, there's actually money to be made in the creative sector. Oh, there's actually numbers. You know, we can actually push our brand through this kind of platform. Because if you look at Nash, all of their readings, they've been named Nash 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Right. Why? Because it's, it's, it's driving also their brand, right? And if you look at, uh, Net1, they've also branded it in the same sense of, look, this has to also push our brand. It also has to kill our brand so that when people hear it, then they can also relate to who's supporting, who's promoting it, you know? So there's a combination of marketing. There's a combination also of, uh, of, 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 of supporting artists, but benefiting from it. So it's a matter of artists being able to bargain and say, look, what sort of deals do we get from network? What sort of deals do we get from, from, from Nash TV, from Econi, from whoever is, is involved in content distribution? Interesting. So we've got the players, the, the local players, um, you know, uh, who are using the traditional platform of, of, of YouTube to try and distribute. Uh, and then YouTube has an unlikely competitor in Africa, uh, by way of, uh, Cassava Smart Tech, Econet Groups, uh, mm-hmm. Sasai Watch, which mm-hmm. kind of seems like it understands what artists need, uh, because the brief outline of it basically, and I'm sure you know, it's, you are, the payment methods are mobile money, which, you know, you use, you can, you know, um, uh, remit or get the money into your mobile money wallet as well as, I think, as well as local accounts. Yeah. Um, so it, you don't need to then go through the complex process of, you know, getting a Nostril account or, you know, some sort of foreign USD card like the FNB South Africa. Um, what's it, what do they call it? Um, forgetting the name. Uh, non-citizen it. account. Oh, okay. The, non- oh, okay. the non-citizen account. Yeah. Some people go through that avenue for a number of different reasons to trade, et cetera. But uh, I've heard some people also do the same for, for, for music. So what have you thought of since I watch, um, you know, in terms of is it is it the avenue that artists should be taking or there's still a lot of work to be done? Um, I, I think it's an avenue that artists can also take in. So it would not stop an artist from distributing also with other platforms uh, in a way. We've seen in Nigeria, the Uduks, they've got created. Uh, Nigeria, I think, is in South Africa, they in Kenya, they have more other platforms where they're distributing music, mm-hmm. homegrown, home-owned, which are customized to payment systems uh, for, 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 for those countries. And it's actually working. You see artists making earnings. But I think um, Sasai is, is a good platform, but I think there is need of more involvement, more understanding, more engagement from the creative side, because I, I, I feel that a lot of the corporate people uh, are not having an understanding of the global dynamics in terms of uh, music, in terms of content creation, distribution and stuff. So there they could be tech people, they could understand the business side of things, but to really have the artistic mindset and DNA in their work, uh, that could be missing. And also the level of engagement with artists. We still see the very conventional way of marketing. Mm. People wearing t-shirts, you sing a jingle. Mm. I think it has to go beyond that. It has to go into a lifestyle. It has to go into where people really see how much of an impact a brand association is making towards the artist. Mm. Apart from driving a car that is branded, 
apart from saying, you know, I'm, I'm wearing these clothes because they are made uh, with the brand of this company. It has to go beyond that. If you look at South Africa, if you look at even the States, when somebody is associating with Ciroc, you can actually see how that brand revolves around their lifestyle. You can actually see how the brand also invests towards creation of venues. We still don't have venues in Zimbabwe. There's not uh, another new venue that has been built that uh, is made to the systems or the, 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 the requirements of the 21st century uh, world in the past maybe five years, right? Uh, there's not been a reinvestment towards studios. This is why you'd find a platform like Nash TV then gets all the you know, people going there because it's one of the first platforms where you can actually get a studio that is set up, that is open uh, to the public where you can use for commercial for any other purposes. So we don't have much with Edwin Gorda. They actually tried that with uh, Neon, uh, but there's not been much investment. In South Africa, you go, there is Oakland Park, so many uh, recording studios, broadcasting platforms that are there. Uh, you, you see Maboneng, what it has done in terms of just creating that space for, for, for creatives, the hubs that Old Mutual has created in South Africa. You see the Old Mutual studio, right? The investment is beyond just come and wear a t-shirt. It's beyond just making a reading and naming it something. It's going into the lifestyle, into the location, into the locations, into, you see how a brand like Lokshin culture resonates with the lifestyle of South Africans. So when that brand is invested in music like it did, people actually see it, they wait, they see how it's, 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 it's invested, you know? Um, so I think companies need to understand it even more. MTN is investment towards music. You see it is beyond uh, Ford, any other company in South Africa. When they are investing, standard theater, standard uh, arena, Coca-Cola Dome, the investment is real. We see the institution. So, and we even see when the artists get involved in such initiatives, the kind of economy that comes from being part of such. It, it, it's a whole lot more. And then that also influences consumers in a way where people are like, oh, look, you know, I'm buying this because it's cool. They find it cool. They associate with it. They, they also see the stars that they love being part and parcel of that, oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm drinking Castle Light oh, because it's associated with the Castle Light Festival, it's associated with ABC artists, and we see what it's also doing for the community. So I think um, whilst it's commendable to see corporates coming in and supporting, but I think they also need to engage the tech companies, the blogging platforms, the media companies, uh, and everybody else who's involved in the creative uh, sector not at an event uh, level, but at a level where everybody feels being part and parcel and being supported and, 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 and also the consumers who also resonate with that. Right. Yeah, definitely agree. I, the one thing when I, when I, when I, when I was writing about Sesai Watch, I was like, um, you know, it would be really interesting for them. And it, it wasn't more from a music perspective, just from a general content creator perspective mm-hmm. is doing exclusive deals with guys like Comic Pasta and Madame Boss to be like, Hey, you know what? 
um, we're going to let you, we're going to give you X amount to exclusively put two videos a month or however your, your release schedule is like on, you know, our, our platform. Um, you're going to be a, you know, a brand ambassador and all that. And I, I never really saw something like that. I, I've been on the platform. It's, it's not as intuitive as I'd like as my because my basic argument is they should split it up into separate apps. Uh, but for what it is, it's actually pretty good. But like you're saying, it's, there's not that depth in, uh, for example, if a major artist comes to Harare, nine times out of 10, it's going to be at the Harare International Conference Center, which yes. is not purpose built for music. It's, it's, no, it's, it's a not. conference center. It's a conference. So, yeah. yeah. So they have to kind of re-retrofit it, or maybe it might be celebration center or wherever where they have to kind of, you know, change things around. Although CC is a little bit better because it was kind of sort of built with music in mind. Um, yes, but in terms of building, you know, uh, and I'm just going to name drop Econet because they're the biggest, like, you know, uh, uh you know Sasa Arena or even an amphitheater yeah. or, or whatever or Sasa Studios you know where where people can come in and, and share a space. Need one dome somewhere and, <laughs> and, and one that would do one that would do you know how uh people easily identify with with the, with the place. Joina mm. was not there twenty years ago yeah. but now it has become like the heartbeat of Harari. Mm. So that, that that kind of investment goes Further, the organization makes money, but anything that is happening, people know, okay, you can actually go there to watch comedy. Where do people watch comedy today in Zimbabwe? Mm. There are no spaces, but if you look at the biggest influencers in Zimbabwe, they're comedians, right? Uh, Madam Boss has a runaway following. You know, she just had one million uh, followers on, on Facebook, which is a huge, huge feat for a small economy like Zimbabwe in terms of people that have access to internet, right? Um, but imagine if there were platforms where people could actually see her perform, right? Uh, Tyler Perry did it, and he set up that uh, facility now with the Tyler Perry Studios. Why? Because he sees the value goes beyond just uh, owning the online platform. You need to actually own infrastructure, to have equipment where people can record, where people can produce, because this is what grandma had. Grandma had that infrastructure. And for more than 30 years, they managed to make music, managed to make hits, simply because they had infrastructure. So all the best talent would go there. Nash TV is doing what they're doing because they have infrastructure. Here's the Facebook page, the YouTube channel, but it's because you can actually walk into Nash TV and record you can walk into Nash TV and have a concert, right? So in 12 months, we have one investment, possibly of not more than 40,000 US dollars, right? But making that kind of impact. So imagine if an institution is to put in 500,000 US dollars, one million investment towards a facility. Seven House Theater, it's old. It's not tailor-made for certain events. Mm. It's you know, and it's not central. So there has not been much development towards infrastructure, towards uh, equipment that allows people to actually produce. If you look at the investment that MMX made, and the first Netflix feature is in partnership with MMX, mm. it, it, it tells you what significance it makes when you have uh, an institution investing towards equipment, towards uh, infrastructure that allows artists to create.
Yeah, because MMX does the rentals for a number of filming equipment. The yes. prices are scary, to be honest. <laughs> when I went on the site, I was like, you know what? That's what happens with the monopoly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. You price how you want. But I was like, yeah, you know what? At least, at the very least, they are doing um, the most. Because even if you go on a production set, um, you will see an MMX truck parked yes. back, you know, and so that kind of presence, like, yeah, as you're saying, it's, infrastructure is one of the, one of the biggest things to... And it's the same with also music. I mean, mm-hmm. if you, uh, there's either divine concept sound or events evolution, mm-hmm. and now we have Neon that is providing lights and stuff. It's these facilities that gives us an international set. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what Gwanda Music Festival uh, puts out, in their first year, they had to hire equipment and everything from South Africa. In their second year now, they've got a local company, Events Evolution, doing everything, setting up for a week and having an event for a week and dismantling over a week. So you've got 15 days where people are employed. They are working on one particular set, you know. Uh, and it's not only employing just the person who's performing, but lighting, sound, uh, filming everyone, you've got an industry now coming out of it. So the same could even happen with venues. Go that they just set up a studio and what happened? We saw quality. So the quality is there, the artists are able, but because we don't have space, they don't have infrastructure, it's difficult for us to actually be able to get this. Yeah. So since, since, you know, we're in this digital age and, uh, artists don't have that many avenues, COVID has, a, has been a big problem. One of the biggest go-tos has been streaming services. So artists now basically distribute their music uh, on streaming services. So we like with, with what we saw over the weekend, child prayers are going on to gateway stream. Um, but there, there are, there are a number and there are a lot of them. Uh, and the, the, the royalties aren't that impressive to be honest, because if live shows were still a thing, I don't think there'll be that many artists still distributing. So an example is like Amazon music and I've got the numbers. I just jotted them down. Amazon Music pays you $0.00402 per stream. Apple Music, one cent a stream. Um, Tidal, if you can get on it, pays you close to one, uh, just over a cent a stream. Uh, Napster, 0.2. Deezer, cent. So it, it goes on and on. YouTube Music is at 0.08. Spotify, 0.03. So it's it's kind of difficult to see how artists can make money. And I don't know about you, but what, what would you think, what do you think is the best? I know it's, it's always good to have them on all streaming services just to have a footprint because we don't want yeah. to have a situation like Wise Kids one where Whiskey, sorry, where Wise Kid then yeah. put an account and then uploaded the album in a different name and then people, you know, didn't even know. Um, but in terms of um, international versus local uh, streaming services, um, where's your, where, where are you hedging your bets? Because before we started, I, I asked about the Buddy Beats um, yeah. royalty structure and that I've been failing to find anywhere to get it. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm looking at the wrong places, but where would you compare uh, between international streaming and local streaming? I think the international streaming uh, give you more, mm. right? They give you more because they give you more reach and you can easily get uh, more credible information. Like you're saying, there is difficult to actually get information about body beats. Uh, with OS Music, uh, a few years ago, and it had a catalog for, they say that the catalog for about 3,000 artists, uh, but the platform is since cracked. So what then happens to all of that music, mm-hmm. all the money that uh, if, uh, 
uh, echo cash, pay, pay, uh, one wallet and telecash integrated payments, right? But it, it, it cried. So you, you could possibly even get maybe more, uh, from a local platform, but in the long run, you'd find the chances of you losing out could be very high. Mm. Right. Losing out to Pirates, we saw it uh, just recently. Losing out in terms of just not having credible statistics and losing out in terms of reach. How many people in Nigeria would open a local platform to search for music? They would know. They just go to uh, Deezer, Spotify, you know, and, 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 and then you lose out to WhatsApp. So there has to be more than just um, getting paid per stream or getting paid per teletune. How many people are putting teletunes for, uh, you know, who download their song and say, I want this as, as, as a ringing tone? I think it's, 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 it's imaginary. These numbers could be very, very low. Because people can now do it without even paying anyone. They can create a, a, a ringing tone on their phone straight from their WhatsApp, you know. So for somebody to say, I want to buy, they have to be very loyal. They just possibly don't have other options and they just do it. So the discrepancy is also that you find on the local platforms. They are huge. From the online platforms to even your, 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 your radio stations, if you check how much each radio station is paying, uh, per play, you know, uh, ZBC stations pay eight times what Stifen pays, right? So yes, per play. And if you look at that alone, we love local, we want local, but I think we as local content creators, as local innovators and platforms and corporates, we need to work also at a competitive level so that people have confidence in our platforms. Now you see bigger artists registering with Samro in South Africa and other uh, collective societies because they don't have confidence in their own, because also they end better in South Africa and the earnings are consistent. So to your question, I would say, it's good. Let's support the local, uh, but let's also challenge them to improve. Uh, to improve in terms of how much they pay the artists, not just the musician, but even the people that have done the instruments. Anyone else who's been involved in the content creation process uh, for music has to get paid. Uh, artists need to know about split sheets. And these platforms also need to consider some of those things so that an artist ends, but also the producer ends. Because producers are saying, look, we're not earning anything from these artists, especially big artists that we record them for free because we want to push our brands. Yeah. And exposure doesn't pay the bills. So, you know, it, the, the trickle down effect is crazy because producers are now left out in the cold. Yeah. Uh, Claude, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, taking a little bit more of your time than I wanted to, uh, but yeah, I, I, I could go on like it, it, <laughs> I have a lot more that I want yeah, to. Yeah, we should later. do that again. Someday. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so thank you all for listening and hopefully watching. Uh, there, there will be a YouTube version at some point uh, uh, this week. 
so thank you again and thank you plot for, for joining us hopefully you, you stick around you you come back <laughs> another time yes, so, I'm gonna be in Zoom, so for seven weeks and i hope to connect hoping that covid allows yeah definitely yeah, yeah. all right uh thanks a lot man uh and thank you for listening thank you so much cheers okay cheers